Hi, and welcome to the latest podcast from CM Murray. I'm Beth Hale, a partner at CM Murray, and I've got with me Zulon Began, one of our other partners. And today we're going to be talking about professional services firms' mergers and the key considerations for those firms who are thinking of merging. So, Zulon, do you want to start by just telling us what the normal rationale might be for two firms to consider a merger? Well, um, we've seen quite a lot of consolidation recently in the professional services firm sector. So last year we saw quite a few law firm mergers and quite a, a major merger among the accountancy firms. So BDO and Moore Stevens and in the legal sector there was Ince and Co and Gordon Dads, um, Pittman's and Birch and Dyson Bell and Transatlantic merger between Brian Cave and Bowen Leighton Painter. Um, so there's lots of activity going on in the, in the market at the moment, and I suspect that 2019 will be another busy year for the merger market. So there's lots of reasons for firms wanting to merge um, with other firms in the market, and any firm that might be looking to do this um, should really think about what the reasons and rational, rationale are for, for a merger. The typical reasons are for firms to perhaps achieve growth, economies of scale, also go into new sectors and offer new service lines, perhaps also penetrate new geographies um, where they are not in currently and where they think there might be client demand um, for services in those geographies in the future. For smaller firms, mergers can also be precipitated by succession issues uh, because there's a the partnership is in an older age group and they're looking to pass over the firm to the new generation. That might be difficult through lateral hiring and merger might be the most obvious route to follow in order to ensure a secure succession method. Some firms may also be in a distressed situation, so they're not doing particularly well financially or they're not retaining their talent. Um, they've had a you know, uh, an exodus of partners perhaps and uh, perhaps also a capital outflow. So they may be looking for a merger to secure their financial stability. So you said at the start that um, one of the key things is economies of scale. Do you just want to talk us through what that means? Well, what, obviously one of the, the greatest um, push factors for firms seeking a merger would be to um, achieve financial um, economies of scale and greater profitability. We're in an environment where clients want um, more for less and that was a result of the financial crisis many years ago and even though the economy is doing much better since then, um, that pressure from clients to be more cost effective hasn't gone away. So firms are having to seek greater economies of scale to maintain their profitability in an environment where there are increased costs around property, for example, lease costs are are very high, particularly in places like London, increased professional indemnity insurance costs, and of course, much higher payroll costs involved in hiring and retaining the right talent. And when a firm is looking to merge, what What key things should they be looking for in a merger partner when they're considering who they might carry out that merger with? I guess the key consideration for any firm will be in their merger partner will be financial stability and looking at a firm that aligns with their own financial growth plans and profitability as well. And of course, we've talked about the rationale for mergers and any merger partner for the firm would have to align with their rationale for seeking that merger. So whether it's complementary or target sectors or service lines or geographies 
or some other reason for seeking that merger, that their merger partner would have to fit, fit that bill. Another key consideration for firms, of course, is how partners are remunerated in their firm. So looking at what type of remuneration structure is in both firms and whether they are aligned already or could be aligned in a merge entity, it's very difficult to align one firm that may oper- operate in a pure lockstep or a modified lockstep system with a firm that is based on a pure eat what you kill system those are firms that are very culturally very different and it it would be extremely difficult to align firms who have completely different remuneration systems and do you think culture is important is an important consideration more generally as well as in relation to remuneration structure absolutely and I think culture can often come out of the remuneration structure itself because it it influences the way partners Mm. behave and that of course, filters down to other associates and employees within the firm. And two firms that have completely different cultures are, they may go ahead and merge, but whether that merger will be successful in the long term is a big question mark. So it's very important for firms to think about whether they have alignment of their organisational cultures when looking at a merger between two firms. So how is their culture perceived within the firm? Are they, do they see themselves as being quite collegiate and team focused or is that quite different? And is their potential merger partner um, a, you know, similar culturally? Also, how, how is their culture and brand perceived externally and how will they be perceived as a merge firm is another thing to think about. And quite a few firms will employ brand consultants, for example, mm. or PR to advise them on those issues. And I think that's quite important to think about upfront rather than afterwards. Absolutely. And are there any issues with conflicts on a firm merger? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the first things that firms will do, particularly in the legal sector or the accountancy sector, is look at each other's client list. Because, you know, the key thing about a merger is that you're trying to, most often, whoever's driving the merger will want to make two plus two add up to five. So ensuring that (laughs) it's very tricky and ensuring that your client base is aligned and doesn't cause you know major conflict issues is absolutely crucial to that because you don't want to find that um, because you've emerged with a certain firm that you're losing some of your best and uh, biggest clients so once a firm's identified a potential suitor a potential merger partner what are the key issues that they ought to be taking into account at the start of the process Well, ideally, once they've found a suitor or potential suitor, they should ensure that they have sufficient management authority to drive that merger forward. Quite often, firms will, what they will do is create a merger committee, and that could be a subcommittee of the main governance and board. And that merger committee should ideally be comprised of partners who have the trust and confidence of, of the partnership in general, so that they're able to drive forward the merger negotiations and um, implementation and also who have authority to bind the firm and that could be under the LLP agreement of the firm already or it could be given to the committee by partner resolution so it's important to especially have a look at um, what your current governance arrangements are in your LLP agreement and, and ensure that any committee that's driving the merger forward has sufficient authority to do so. And how about partner buy-in? Presumably it's important to get all the, the partnership on board and keen to be involved and go ahead. Absolutely. So most partnership agreements for professional firms will require a partnership vote on any 
major transaction like this involving a, a merger with another firm. So it's ensure, you know, absolutely crucial to ensure that you get partner buy-in. And that could be for, through a variety of um, avenues. First and foremost is having a, a committee that has the trust and competence of partners. And secondly, you could also ensure that you have the right messaging to partners, and that could be through partnership meetings or town hall, town hall meetings, consultations, to gauge um, what the reaction is among rank-and-file partners. Because it's, it's no good management trying to drive through a merger which doesn't have the confidence of their partners. And ensure also having regard to your partnership agreement and uh, management having some confidence that they, they'll be, be able to achieve the requisite majority vote that's required under the partnership agreement. It's normally something like a special resolution which could require up to 75% of the votes. And what about dealing with employees? So they won't have to vote on it, but they'll still be impacted by the decision to merge. Again, this is also extremely important, even though they don't have a direct say in whether or not the merger goes ahead. In any professional services firm, it's the people who are absolutely key. It's not, you know, professional services firms don't make widgets. Um, We provide services and uh, through talented people, and it's important to ensure that those people are engaged um, and enthused about the merger, because what you don't want is a disaffected workforce. And again, that's through ensuring the messaging is on point and that people feel consulted and the information is readily available to them about the merger so that they, they, they feel part of the journey. And there might, in some circumstances, be obligations to consult some of the workforce if they're if some of the workforce is going to be transferred into a new entity, under or transferred into one of the existing LLPs. Yeah, cheapy. It's my pet topic, so I'm just yeah. raising it. But so why don't you say something about that? Then? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that that's that it's a key thing to consider, and it's something that. Um, Certainly sort of in the early days of law firm mergers, I think often sort of fell by the wayside until the very end of the process when suddenly everyone went, oh, hang on a second, there are going to be employees transferring here and we're going to have to inform and consult with them under GP. Mm-hmm. GP, just for those who don't know, is the Transfer of Undertakings Protection of Employment Regulations and it essentially means that it protects employees' terms and conditions when they transfer from one employer to another where there's a sort of transfer with the business as a going concern. And ordinarily whether it's one firm transferring into the entity, it was one business transferring into the other business's entity, or whether both sets of employees are transferring into one new entity, that, that will constitute a cheaper transfer, and therefore yeah. there will be obligations involved, and yeah. terms and conditions will be protected. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I mean, that kind of ties in with what I was going to mention about um, the structure of the merger, actually. So careful thought has to be given to how you structure the merger and the two main methods are a business and assets transfer including employees from one of the one of the firms to the other firm or it could be creation of an entirely new entity which requires transfer from both firms which can be a bit more cumbersome so therefore that kind of structure is is, is quite rare or the other way is um, one firm buying um, or, or acquiring the membership interests of the other firm again as I said those those things have to be carefully thought through and there'll be tax issues regulatory issues issues around 2p as you've mentioned and also contract novations and client consents, landlord consents that, that would have to be taken into account when kind of settling on the structure of the merger. And presumably all of those impact on the timetable as well. You need to be aware of all the 
kind of approvals you need at the very beginning so that you're not suddenly surprised by the fact that you're going to need how many weeks to get regulatory approval or absolutely so you you need to start start thinking about that from the outset and then factor that into your timetable so often when you're concluding the merger agreement um to if you have third party approval requirements for example from your bank or your landlord or, or regulatory authority um for example the SRA if you're a law firm and um, the you then you'd have to factor that that in and often what firms will do is um exchange contracts um which are conditional on getting those approvals so you'd normally have a gap between exchange and completion of the of the contracts on that basis absolutely that that of, of happens quite often and the gap also kind of also gives firms that time to also ready themselves for implementation of the merger because as you can imagine if it's quite a major professional services firms there'll be lots of integration issues with the merger for to go live on day 1 whether it's you know changing your website integrating your IT systems your financial systems there is a lot to cover in that period so all of those things will have to be factored into the timetable right so there's a lot to think about so just one final question is how do you go about documenting the merger what what are the sort of legal documentation requirements Obviously the key document will be the merger agreement between the two merging firms and that will quite often look like a business transfer agreement or a members interest transfer agreement depending on the on the way the merge firm is structured and that will contain typical provisions that you find in those agreements including provisions around consideration so it's important to think about um whether consideration is going to be paid and um how much that that is going to be um uh, and how that's going to be structured quite often if particularly if it's a merger of equal firms there won't be any consideration but increasingly we are seeing consideration being paid um in for example law firm mergers and other professional services firm sectors so it's important to think about how that is structured um often you will see cash sum being paid up front and that could be on the basis of the net asset value of the of the firms and that would involve um valuation of the whip and the debtors etc so you have to think about on what basis that valuation will be on there may also be some other consideration based on future turnover achieved by by the partners and again you need to think about how that that will be assessed and over what period another key thing to consider is also lock in periods for partners um to ensure that you have a successful integration and a merger for the long term it's quite key to ensure that you have some type of lock in provisions in the merger agreement for partners so they don't jump ship say 6 months down the line quite often you will see at least 12 months um lock in period it can be up to about 3 years but it will differ um from business to business um but it's one of the key things to think about and the other main kind of provision that you would have in the merger agreement is our warranties and indemnities and because you have a merger going both ways um effectively both sets of partners in both firms are taking a risk in the other by merging with the other you will normally have warranties going both ways um so you need to think about what those warranties look like and they would normally include of of course title and capacity and certain commercial warranties around um, the value of the the whip for example or the de- uh, um the recoverability of the debtors so it's important to think about those and would those ordinarily be given by the partnership as a whole or would there be a sort of committee of partnerships who have the requisite knowledge well it depends on the structure of the partnership often only the most senior equity partners will give the warranties because they will often get the 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 large 
the rump of the consideration mm. if there is any. Sometimes fixed share partners in, in certain businesses have very few voting rights, so they probably won't even have the right to vote on the merger, so it would be unfair to ask them to give warranties in relation to that merger. Yeah. So it would normally be the more senior partners giving those warranties and indemnities. Well, thanks, Zulon, and thanks for listening. Um, if you do have any questions, there's lots more information on our website, which is www.cm-murray.com, and do get in touch if you'd like more information. Thanks very much. Thank you.